This is the Blazing Access Podcast, disability news and perspective for Wednesday, November 22nd. I'm Blaze Bryant. A couple of weeks ago, I sat down with Michael Gilberg, who is a special education attorney, to talk about his life and disability advocacy. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Blaze, for having me. I appreciate it. It is my pleasure. So how did you get involved with disability advocacy in general? Let's just start there. Sure. So growing up, I had a lot of issues in school. It was the 1980s and they didn't know and they didn't know what it was. I was misdiagnosed. And finally, when I was 18, I was diagnosed with Asperger's because as I tell people growing up, Autism was always considered a kid sitting in the corner banging his head against the wall who didn't really speak until we expanded our understanding of the spectrum. And from there, as I became an adult and realized I had something to give back from my own experience, I became a special ed education attorney, which I now represent families in special ed proceedings and disputes with their school districts, as well as being involved with many other things, as you know, serving on nice silk and many other commissions certainly and what was it like for you in in school specifically when you were growing up i was always one of those children who could do well academically but never fit in emotionally with my peers and they never understood what was going on and in fact um when i was 13 or 16 around that age the school social worker told my parents throw your son away forget about him he'll never graduate high school and now i'm a lawyer and meanwhile the same social worker and i always tell this story told i had one friend at that time they said he was ready to go back to public school they sent him back and the social worker betrayed his confidence and he never trusted an adult again and yesterday was the 30th anniversary of his suicide so i always say they failed me but they failed him worse Oh my gosh. So this, this same social worker essentially caused your friend to commit suicide. I don't want to say caused, but he wasn't helpful about 10 years ago. So I say he failed me, but he failed him worse. And I, about 10 years ago, looked up the social worker to tell him he was wrong. But unfortunately he, with the internet, you can find anyone. He had died of cancer. So I didn't get that satisfaction, but such is life. Oh, that's unfortunate, but hey it's part of life right and how much did that motivate you though it motivated me to show people i was they were wrong about me that that i that i could i mean obviously i didn't just graduate high school i graduated college and law school but it motivated me to show and make a difference and once i finally as a young adult came to accept that i was on the spectrum and that it wasn't something to be ashamed of it, it, I think it really changed my focus on a lot of things. What was it like for you to go through that time period of acceptance, if you will? I think when we all get into our, what I would say, late teens, early 20s, we all want to be defiant and we all want to be quote unquote normal. And as we get older, we realize there is no normal. As I always say to people, what the, what is normal when it comes to human behavior and human emotions? There is no normal. Right. Well, for me personally, and I don't know if this is something you could relate to, in high school when a lot of my classmates and so on and so forth were getting their licenses, I was 
feeling kind of left out because, well, I was one of the very few disabled people in a very rural, small K through 12 school. So I was forced to realize, hell, all right, I'm not normal. But college for me really helped with that. Well, yeah, things turned around in my life in college when I was able to more or less self-direct my program and decide this is what I want to do and make my own decisions. I also think that, again, this idea that we put in society about, quote-unquote, being normal, what is normal? There is no normal. There's no such thing as normal human behavior. Everybody is different. Everybody is unique. And I think that's part of the problem is that we have this expectation of, people being quote-unquote normal and there is no normal and we see this in the disability community all the time there are people who look different there are people who act different for a variety of reasons and who are we and we need to be less judgmental of other people's differences yeah why do you think there's so much judgmental nonsense that happens ironically in the disability space if I knew that, I'd have a lot more money. I'd be a genius. <laughs> I don't know why, but it is true. I do see that a lot of disabled people in the community can be among the most judgmental. And I don't know why that is. I think some of it, in my mind, comes from this desire to be, quote unquote, again, normal, even though there is no normal. When I was, when I represent families, I get parents who all lot will say, I want my son or daughter to be normal. And you ask them, what is normal? And they can't tell you. You How know, do you navigate that? Right. Human behavior, there is no normal. You, Yeah, we want a normal heart rate. You want normal blood pressure because there are medical reasons if those things are out of are not normal. But human behavior and, and you know, are, are, and other things are very hard to say normal. As somebody, as people say, disability is a natural part of the human condition. Right. And now let's shift gears to you becoming an attorney now you said earlier this is what you wanted to do pretty much from the outset maybe but not from the outset but i figured it out early enough at first i when i graduated college i went to grad school in psychology and i'll be honest i thought it was the right place for me it was the wrong fit and so i i i recalibrated my father had gotten sick so I was home for a little while taking care of him after I dropped out of grad school. And then 9-11 happened. And then I, after 9-11, I kind of, you know, realized how short life was. And I went back to law school and I went, did some other things before going to law school. Interesting. And what was your law school experience like? Law school was actually very good for me. I didn't do as well academically. As I had in undergrad, because I didn't maybe put in the work I should have, because I actually had a social life for the first time. So I really enjoyed law school from a social perspective. Take us through the process and all of the sort of knowledge that you had to gain to become an attorney in a very sort of specialized arena. I don't know if I call it specialized. I mean, when you go to law school, you don't per se specialize in anything it's all everybody gets the same degree it's when you get out of law school that you have to decide specialization in a field of law but 
the thing is academics always came easy to me so i almost took some of it for granted in law school because i finally had a social life i had friends some of whom i still see although a lot of them are busy with, we're all busy with life now i try to catch up with people but i think that the point is for me it was all about at that point that i had a social life and that was more important to me than being the best student because i had always been a good student as an undergrad right and i would imagine speaking kind of in a parallel experience that with a greater social life more confidence to do better kind of i mean i was trading off some of the academic success for the social life but in the end it didn't matter because in the long run your grades in law school i mean i lost a scholarship which probably would have been better for me to have but in the end i gained so much from having a social life and making friends and learning how to be around people and so i think that there was that plus as you got out of law school grades matter less and less so you know it was what it was but i wasn't overly concerned about the fact that i only had you know that my grades were not at the top i mean i graduated decently enough and i passed the bar which is the main thing i mean it's more important in law school that at the end you pass the bar than you get good grades michael gilberg with me blaze bryant here on the blaze and access podcast when you explain to someone that you are a special education attorney how do you explain some of the issues generally speaking that you work on so I represent children with disabilities who are either not getting appropriate services, need different services. In many cases, it's an outplacement where they need to be placed outside the public schools into a different environment, and the school district doesn't want to, and the parents need can't afford to pay for it, or the child needs different evaluations because the parents don't trust the school district evaluations. Or in many cases, the child has a disability but has not been properly identified by the school district. And what do you do? Well, I represent the family. I try to negotiate with the school board attorney to get the family what they need. Um, you know, when when necessary, we litigate. Sure. So you take the approach of negotiate, then litigate. How easy is it to get the outcome that you are looking for i think it depends on the school district and depends on the school board attorney are school districts getting any better with this stuff and in terms Not of really it's all about money unfortunately even though all the requirements with idea and the ada and other education acts they're still not getting any better no, they're not because it's again about money and they'll often say the child is getting an appropriate education. It's all about the definition of the word appropriate, especially in cases where a lot of what I focus on is kids with social emotional deficits who might not be academically deficient and the school's like, well, he's getting A's and B's and they don't necessarily understand the child could be suicidal, depressed. Mm. I'm really just trying to wrap my head around the whole argument on their side of the money. Where's that money coming from? What do you mean where's it coming from? What I mean is why are they using money 
as an argument. Like, what money is in this issue? In terms taxpayer money. Okay, so from school taxes and all right. that stuff. They, they don't want. They don't want to pay for it. Yeah, but you and I are taxpayers. Well, everybody's a taxpayer, but they don't want it. They don't want to pay for it because it's cost the taxpayers money. It's just mind-boggling to me that we're dealing with this stuff. Now, you also serve on the New York State Independent Living Council, among other commissions. Correct. I'm fairly new to it, and I'm still learning, but I'm enjoying making the connections and trying to be an advocate in the state ILC for both, you know, the autism community as well as educational services, because I think early intervention is such a key. It is. What in your mind here to wrap this up is the biggest issue impacting the disability community and how do we go about solving it? It's a big question. It's hard to answer. I think the biggest question is in many cases it's siloing and people thinking they're better than someone else. People with one disability thinking, well, I'm not like that person. My disability makes, and I'm guilty of this too, makes me superior. Right. And people who think, well, I'm not like that person. I'm better than them. And people who, you know, want to like, we, we sometimes I think we get siloed. We have the autistics here, the blind people here, the deaf people here, the, you know, the intellectually disabled here, and we're all separated out. Right. And we're all having to compete for the same resources. Exactly. It becomes a disability versus disability. Give yourself a plug on how people can get in touch with you to learn more about the educational system or if people do need your services. They should come go to my website, which is www.michaelgilbertesq.com. That is M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-I-L-B-E-R-G. ESQ.com. Awesome. Michael Gilberg, ESQ.com for more information and to get in touch. Uh, Michael, I wish you a very happy holiday season as it is quickly becoming that time of the year. And again, thank you so much for being so generous with your time here on the Blaze and Access podcast. Thanks so much. A quick programming note. We will be off Thursday and Friday because of the Thanksgiving holiday. I have a very busy last week of November and first couple of weeks of December and unable to do daily shows. But fear not, the show will go on as I dig out some of my favorite disability interviews from my archives. Have a happy, healthy, and safe Thanksgiving And I will be back with you again on Monday from the archives here on the Blaze and Access podcast, amplifying the disability voice one story at a time. Have a great day.